hype trains are leaving the station. We'll tell you which ones to be on and which ones to avoid on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds with you. We encourage you, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter or check us out on YouTube and drop a thought in our comments section. Talking Reds is what we do, and we want to talk Reds with you. Locked on Reds is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We are your team every day. And on today's show, we are going to look at uh, some hype. We're going to talk about why we might want to chill out a little bit. I know that's not something that you usually hear from me is to calm down, but we're going to say that. And we're going to look at the position that you can have confidence in for this Reds roster for 2023. Steve, where we want to begin, like you mentioned, is with the hype trains because we have seen quite a bit, and especially yesterday with the eighth inning and the Reds scoring 10 runs and the entire lineup being made of future Reds, probably some guys who won't be on this roster at least until very late this year, if this year at all, but still some performances were just phenomenal last year or yesterday afternoon, about to say last night, yesterday afternoon in that eighth inning, so much so that some folks have started to wonder, are we going to see some rookies quicker than we thought? Yeah, the hype train is definitely getting ready to leave the station on a couple guys, and uh, it gives me pause. And listen, this is your fault. This is my fault. This is every member of the media's fault. This is the Reds' fault. Uh one guy in particular, we've done nothing but hype, 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 hype. And uh, I said this a couple times throughout the offseason. Uh, it reminds me of how we were all talking about Hunter Green and the the expectation we love, the level we set for Hunter Green uh, is the same thing that we've done to Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, it, barring an all-star performance right out of the gate, there was absolutely no way last season that Hunter Green was going to live up to all the hype. And we're doing the same thing to Ellie. Uh, this this hype train that we've built around Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, listen, he's going to live up to it. He's going to be a star. Uh, but every level he's ever gone to, it's taken him a couple weeks to really get it together and start being Ellie De La Cruz. We've played four games, Jeff, I think is where we're at right now. Let's let's not worry about the fact that Ellie De La Cruz is still hitless. Is it four games, right? Five games? I think it's somewhere five. In that, five games. Now. Somewhere in that neighborhood. So with Ellie De La Cruz, yes, he remains hitless. He's not playing all nine innings of every game. He doesn't look like Jose Barrero at the batter's box. Right. Uh, it's, he's making his adjustments, and it's going to take time. Uh, I am not worried about it, but what's not helping his cause right now is what Matt McClain is doing. Matt McClain again yesterday did not make an out. Now he didn't get an official at bat because he was O for O three walks and he scored all three times he got on base uh, that brought his batting average on the spring. And he's played in just about every game coming in as a sub uh, he's hitting 500 on the spring in all of those games. So he's, he's doing well. 
So when you combine those two things, it starts to it starts to look like a Hunter Green Nicoladolo situation where while we were all busy talking about Hunter Green, Nicoladolo was doing his thing and and we didn't talk about it as much, but we seemed surprised because we didn't hype it up so much. This is the same situation. What's happening in Goodyear right now with Matt McClain does not necessarily mean we're going to see Matt McClain break camp with this team. Keep it in context. He's coming in on the back half of games. He's facing other minor leaguers because it's later in the games. It's great that he's having success. It's great that he's building confidence. Uh, it is going to point him towards the direction of an eventual march to Cincinnati, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the guy that he'd be if he started opening day for the Reds tomorrow. And it's and and what you've mentioned is the important thing. We've talked about this leading into these spring training games. Is when do these guys play? He's come in as a sub in every game that he's played. He's not been a starter. So you also look at that and the fact that probably his best position when you look at Ellie De La Cruz at short and, and, and things like that. You're talking about Matt McClain at second. He's not going to start over Jonathan India. In fact, most people have looked at Jonathan India and said he's been the best player in camp. I you wipe that smile off your face. I know what you're going to say. Uh, when you talk about Matt McClain, you've got to understand they're giving him a ton of playing time because when they make that first cut, when they send that first batch of players to minor league camp in like a week or two, he's in that group. He's going to be a guy that's sent to minor league spring training because they're going to send him to Louisville to start the season to make sure that he builds up this consistency continually. And then whenever they're ready to call him up and, you know, whatever, probably July or August, he will be ready for the call up because he is not a guy that I look at and I say, yes, I think he's ready to break camp with this team. He has done some impressive stuff and he has shown the ability to at least play with most of the guys that he's been playing against. But like you said, he is not facing the everyday major leaguer at this point. He's facing mostly minor league pitchers. So I want everybody to kind of have some expectations a little bit, you know, set there. And along with Ellie De La Cruz, like I, we have said before, we would be surprised if he broke camp with the team. We wouldn't be shocked. We wouldn't be just knocked on our backs, but we would be surprised. And while he's, he hasn't had a hit, I don't think that's playing into this narrative at all. I think it's just funny because some people read what we said and, 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 and understood what we said to mean he was going to come out and hit like 15 home runs in the first four games that he touched the field. And that's just not what's happening here. He, like everyone else, is getting loose. Yeah. And, and let's listen, we're not trying to be buzzkills. And I understand Red Country. I get that things have been so bad for so long that anytime there's an opportunity to look for something good at all, we want to seize upon it and we want to go after it. And, and I'm not poo-pooing that idea that these guys are going to be great. I'm just saying that uh, to temper our expectations about when these things are going to happen. You know, like you just mentioned with Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, yeah, we said it was a long shot for him to be on the opening day roster. I think what we said was, I think we both have said it, that something drastically bad had to happen. The, somebody has to be hurt. Uh, you know, Jose Barrero has to not hit the ball at all. And 
they could two guys need to get out of the way. Basically, they need to decide they don't want to go with Newman and they need to decide they don't even want to give Jose Barrero a chance. So two things have to happen before L.A. De La Cruz breaks camp with this team, because, listen, they are not bringing him to Cincinnati to sit on the bench when he comes up. He is going to play. So there's two guys right now that the Reds consider in their minds to be in front of Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, we'll still see Ellie De La Cruz this season. Uh, Jeff, there's one more guy that the, there's beginning to be a buzz surrounding, and, and I love it. Uh, and and it, I think it's the right kind of buzz right now, and I wanted to mention him right now because I want to I keep it the right kind of buzz. Uh, we've been talking about Christian Encarnacion Strand. Was that right? I don't, did I get it? All right. CES has been having himself a little bit of a spring so far. He's looked great in the batter's box. He's looked good in the field. You know, some people wanted to question his defense. Uh, we weren't some of those people, but some people wanted to question his defense. Our buddy Doug over at resminerleagues.com said, hey, don't question this guy's defense. He's a lot better. You know, you're looking at old metrics. Uh, and Doug was right. He knows how, he knows his way around the field. And he's been hitting the ball uh, yesterday alone. And I know. Small sample size, Oakland A's, but five RBIs in an inning, uh, two for three with a grand slam. He also drew a walk. And on the, the spring, Jeff, he's hitting 571 so far. Well, and, you know, in my experience, it doesn't matter what level you are. If you come to bat with the bases loaded, it feels like there's some pressure on you. Like when I did in high school, it was kind of rough whenever I came up to bat whenever the bases were loaded because I know – I'm not really going to come through in this situation. At least he did. I don't care. Oakland A's, you know, minor league pitchers, whatever. That was amazing to see. But yes, I'm with you. CES is another guy that when he comes up, it's going to be in the middle of the season. It's not going to be early on. But I think when he does come up, we are going to continue to see this pop. He has pop in that bat should have had a home run in that first game. Whenever he hit a double, it was just off the top of the wall, like a foot short he should have had a homer there but he all in all he is kind of fitting up to the bill like we said this dude in a couple of years is going to be that guy that hit the tundra and and listen it wouldn't shock me jeff and i don't know how you feel about this uh but it would not shock me if we didn't see him in cincinnati this season sure. yeah, it, yeah, wouldn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't shock me if he was an opening day guy in 2024 uh, yeah. just because of kind of spreading out the timing on things a little bit. Now he could play his way onto the roster. I mean, he could absolutely go down to Louisville and crush the ball and hit 25 home runs through the all-star break and then kind of force everybody's hands. Right. But uh, it, it, it wouldn't awesome. shock me to see them take their time with him uh, why they figure out the rest of the rookies on the roster uh, in 2023. Absolutely. But th the point is with all of this and it, again, everybody, Listen in because this isn't something we say a whole lot. Keep calm and have fun watching these dudes play. Absolutely. Hey, there was a position last year, Jeff, that we spent a lot of time making fun of, especially since the fact that the name of the position implies a skill you should have to play the position. And there was nobody at the position that could implement that skill. Well, they're better this year, and we're going to tell you exactly what that position is and why we think it has gone from weakness to strength for the 2023 Cincinnati Reds. But before we talk about, talk about that, let's talk about the sponsor of today's podcast, FanDuel. 
we are less than a month away from opening day. I am so excited. And now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers at FanDuel are going to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So you fire up the old FanDuel app, throw down $1,000 on, let's just say, the Reds to win on opening day, and it doesn't hit, you're going to get that $1,000 back in bonus bets from FanDuel. Uh, once you get onto FanDuel, you can also check out the MLB Futures Matt McClain, we just talked about him. 100 to 1 odds to win Rookie of the Year in the National League. Uh, those odds may be improving, Jeffrey. Uh, so you're saying every single game, there is a chance. <laughs> Don't miss out on your chance to get your no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Head over there right now because you can make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Hey, and now that sports betting is legal in Ohio, Locked On has the perfect show to help new and seasoned gamblers get the best information to make the best decisions when they're making their bets. You can download and subscribe to the Locked On Bets daily podcast. It's daily picks and analysis. It's available wherever you get your podcast, just like Locked On Reds. Coming up tomorrow, it's my favorite show of the week, everyone. It's another Aloha Friday live edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. We'll be coming at you at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time to get you all caught up on all of the action out in Goodyear as the Reds are now screaming towards March 30th's opening day. And Jeff, there's a lot to be excited about as this team is heading towards opening day. And one of the things I think I'm most excited about is the dramatic improvement at the catcher position. Like I said there in the tease before, there were guys on this team last year that they not only couldn't play the position, they couldn't catch. They couldn't catch the ball. <laughs> and that's a problem for the guy that his whole job is called catcher and they couldn't catch the ball. They couldn't, but I'll tell you this, Steve, in a team that has so many position battles on a roster that looks like it's going to have a lot of new faces coming up this season, the catching position is the best part about this roster. It is solidified, and I've seen, and, and it's all because of the eye test. I'm not talking about, wow, Kirk Casale hit a double yesterday and got an RBI. We're good. That's all we need. We're fine. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the eye test. When I'm looking at these guys, Luke Maley has a cannon, and that happens whether you're in Arizona or you're in Cincinnati, and whether it's spring training or it's the regular season. Luke Maley looks like he's going to gun down whoever it is who is trying to steal second, who's trying to steal third. I love that, especially for the fact that, like you said, we had a bunch of guys back there that we were just hoping they could stop the ball from going the other way, let alone were we even concerned about them throwing anyone out. And that was, that was something that I thought last year was an easy prop bet against the Reds is how many steals are they going to have? Well, you take the over All of them. because the Reds catching wasn't <laughs> stopping them. This year, totally different tune. And, and listen, I, I think it's been beneficial, and we talked about this when it happened, that David Bell has kind of laid out the plan from well before spring training even really got underway with the games. David Bell said, uh, 
Tyler Stevenson is going to play catcher 40% of the time. Yeah, I did the math. 40% of the time, Tyler Stevenson will be the catcher. That leaves 60% of the games are going to be caught by other dudes. Why? Because Tyler Stevenson is going to be playing first base. Tyler Stevenson is going to be the DH. That means that Kurt Casale and Luke Maley are going to split the other 60% probably pretty evenly. So we're looking at 40% from Tyler, 30% from Kurt Casale, 30% from Luke Maley. And I think that is a great mix. Both of those guys, both Kurt Casale and Maley, are, are veteran guys. They know how to play the position. As you said, Luke Maley has looked great as far as managing the pitching staff, throwing out runners, situational awareness, getting guys out on base. Luke Maley's been there. I don't have any doubt in my mind that Kurt Casale is that same guy. He's going to be able to manage this pitching staff. He's going to be able to throw some guys out, and he's going to have the situational awareness to at least uh, prevent uh, base runners from getting bigger jumps. You know, he'll snap a throw. He'll do the th things necessary to help cut down the runs because what we've seen is guys are going to try and steal bases, and and I'm actually here for that. I'm happy to see the action on the base paths again. So the the timing of this for the Reds to overhaul the catcher position and really get things dialed in uh, could not have come at a better time given what Major League Baseball is trying to create on the base paths heading into 2023. Yeah, usually we say it about a football team that you want to run the ball and stop the run, but really looks like the Reds are going to be good at running and stopping the run. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out uh, for this season. But the catching position is just, I mean, it's right there with quarterback too, as far as the most important position in all of sports. So the fact that the Reds have three guys that they can rely on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But when you're also talking about with the bat, I mean, Kirk Casale can hit. Luke Maley looks like a solid hitter. He doesn't look like an automatic out, which is a lot more than we can say for pretty much most of the guys we saw last year. And that is really where this all comes to a head for me, is that they are complete players. We're not talking about defense first. We're not talking about bat First, I remember, you know, there were some guys uh, on the free agent market, especially like Omar Narvaez, who you looked at and you're like, OK, well, if the Reds sign them, they're probably a little bit worried about Nick Lodolo's back foot breaking ball and whether or not he's actually going to be able to block that. I'm not worried about that with any of these guys. And that in and of itself, I think, is so crucial, because when you're talking about a team that's trying to figure out two fifths of its starting rotation, that's really trying to figure out its entire outfield because Will Myers is probably going to have to play a lot of first base early on this season. And who's going to play shortstop? You can look at the catch, the catcher spot and know we're good. Yeah, it's funny. I felt like we almost became locked on Bengals there for a second with uh, yeah. the, the tie-ins, the football. And we've been saying all offseason that we wanted the Reds to be more like the Bengals. We probably should have specified we were talking about wins and losses. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but no, the you're, offensive you're, line uh, better. That's that's right. What we're looking yeah, for. that's the thing. <laughs> you're uh, but you're absolutely right in this catcher's position. And I, I wonder, Jeff, with three catchers cycling through, I wonder if we'll find that pitchers. Uh, end up with their personal catchers. I wonder if we'll see that Tyler Stevenson catches the same couple pitchers every week. And if Luke Maley catches the same pitchers and I wonder how they'll split it up because I, we, I think pitchers get comfortable, especially starters and they, and they like who they like behind the plate. So I wonder how that whole situation will play out. I know Nick Lodolo stand pretty hard for uh, Austin Romine last year. So he, he really, and, and and probably part of it was he was just tired of getting caught by guys who couldn't stop that breaking ball. But 
Um, Austin Romine at least had that ability. So yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. And, and guys, there, there is a comfort zone with guys. I mean, obviously we, we talk about this a lot with baseball about, you know, we would like guys to be able to move around, but the human element of, you know, you build relationships with certain people and you gravitate towards certain people. And, and I always think back to Bronson Arroyo and how his personal catcher was Ryan Hannigan. Didn't matter who the other catcher was on the roster. He wanted Ryan Hannigan to catch him. So that's, that's probably going to happen here, but also knowing that there are certain days that Tyler Stevenson is going to catch. I wonder if that's going to just become second nature. I don't think the, the fourth and the fifth guy in the rotation is going to have much of a say in this, but you're right. These, the top three guys in Green Lodolo and Ashcraft probably will have their pick of the litter. Well, I know this. I am I'm excited that the position is we still don't have a good name for this room that doesn't sound football-ish. And, and maybe we're just gonna have to live with the 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 catcher's room or maybe the, the catching core. I don't know. The catchers are better, Jeff. They are better. I am excited. Uh it's it's been a while since we could look at that position group and feel like uh they're going to be major league at least adequate throughout the baseball season. <laughs> That's 100% true. Well, you know what though, Steve Graham Ashcraft got his first start of the spring training season and was working on a few things yesterday, which reminds us of an important thing we've already talked about on today's episode. We'll tell you what that is coming up next. Before we dive into that, though, I want to let you know that you can follow the podcast on every single platform, including right here on YouTube. Make sure whatever platform you're currently listening on that you click subscribe. Also click subscribe on YouTube and hit that bell to get notified whenever we go live like we will on uh, tomorrow for our Aloha Friday or whenever we have new content for you because there's sometimes breaking news and sometimes we just kind of want to talk about it. So we'll be in your feed whenever there's big stuff to talk about plus you can follow us on twitter you can follow me at jeff gar with three f's you can follow steve at s offenbaker with two f's and you can follow the show at locked on reds no f's there all right steve graham ashcraft got back on the mound yesterday and i think really the overarching theme with him and the overarching theme with you know hunter green and nick Lodolo, the guys who are for sure going to lead this rotation is patience is key when you're watching pitchers in spring training well you hit the the key element here with all three of those guys all three of those guys are in this rotation all three of those guys are making this team so the way that they approach their starts i think will be different than what you would see from brandon williamson or levi stout or luke weaver where they're actually going out and competing for a job these big three guys the front three dudes of this rotation are going out and working on stuff they're just trying to get things dialed in for opening day so you know graham ashcraft yesterday went two innings against the oakland athletics he gave up three hits allowing two runs to score walked the guy struck out two not a horrible line i mean yeah the two runs in in two innings is a lot but he's out there working on things he's out there he's not pitching like he would be pitching if this were his first start of the year in cincinnati no 100 percent. and he's working on his secondary stuff uh charlie goldsmith wrote in his article about the game yesterday that uh, Graham Ashcraft threw 15 sliders and 10 of them were for strikes. And, and that is what spring training is for a veteran pitcher who knows his role on the team. It is about working that stuff that, listen, he knows if he needs to get it out, he's going to reach back and throw that 98 mile an hour cut fastball. 
that's what's going to be the pitch. But he wants to have confidence in knowing that he can mix in those secondary pitches. So during spring training, when the games don't matter, he is going to work that he's going to almost force it a little bit. And he's going to be like, here is the deal. I'm going to throw this slider. I'm going to try and hit this part of the plate. I'm going to try and hit this part of the strike zone. If he hits it, so what? My point is that I can put that slider right there so that I know in July, if I've got a full count on somebody, I know I don't have to throw my cut fastball. I can throw my slider in that situation. And, and you know, we talked about this. Maybe it was yesterday's show, Jeff, or, or earlier in the week uh, in regards to pitchers developing these secondary pitches. If you've only got two pitches, the batter has a 50-50 shot of guessing what's coming and tagging it. Uh, the, these guys have to have multiple pitches and now's the time for them to work on it. So I'm glad to see them out there working on the secondary pitch pitches. There's also an element, Jeff, that I think we're not paying enough attention to, but I think it's having a significant impact on a lot of pitchers, at least early in spring training. And that is the impact of the new timing rules uh, because the pitchers now have to work uh, more like Wade Miley and, and just throw, throw, throw the maximum effort guys are having to change the way they play the game. They're having to adjust how they approach and at bat. They can't go up there and go with 110% effort every single pitch. These guys are learning a balance. They're trying to find a balance and how much they're going to take off, how much they're going to dial it up. That's going to take some time as well. And I suspect that that's why we're seeing some guys get hit a little bit. And it's not just on the reds. It's across baseball right now as the pitchers kind of try and figure it out. So I'm not worried. Uh, and I know that, again, we have a tendency to just try and find things to be excited about because the Reds have been the Reds for so long. And when it doesn't quite go that way, we get a little concerned. But I'm not concerned. I think that I think that Graham Mashcraft is fine. Uh, there were big takeaways in his limited two-inning performance for me. Number one, the ball was going across the plate. That's what it needs to be doing right now. Number two, he was healthy when the game started, and he was healthy when the game ended. And those are the important takeaways from that two-inning pitching performance for me. And especially for a guy who, you know, we were a little bit worried about him actually coming back and pitching at the end of last year. We kind of thought he should have just been shut down and said, see you in good year in 2023. So it was good to see that he pitches with no problems whatsoever. He did have that scare early on in camp when he got hit by a pitch or hit by a hit. Um, and he had to leave like a, it was a live BP session and he had to stop that early because of getting hit by the ball. But that wasn't something that affected him at all in this, which was encouraging to see. And it just goes to say, and, you know, there were a couple of relief pitchers and stuff that we'll talk about in just a second, too. But it just goes to show you. And again, it's not something to say a lot. Calm down. Just calm down a little bit. And this is and this is from the other side. This isn't like, you know, going too hard on a guy and being too excited about a guy. This is like, should we worry about this? Should we? Oh, my gosh. Is everything OK? Calm down. You mentioned the relief pitchers, and that was a great segue into, into talking about a few of these guys. It's very easy to look at the line from yesterday's game and be like, oh, my God, the pitching gave up 14 runs. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the box score, there are guys that gave up a majority of the runs. 
uh, you're not going to see them ever again once the season starts, or at least it'll be a long time. Uh, the first guys out of the bullpen. First of all, Ian Jabot's having himself a nice little spring, and that's going to bode well for Great Bit Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic, as Ian will be heading out to that. Uh, he pitched a clean inning, striking out all three batters that he faced. That's great. Good job, Ian Jabot. Uh, he was followed by Alexis Diaz, who gave up a hit but did not allow a run. Uh, walked one, gave up a hit, but struck out two. Uh, Alexis is going to be okay. He's he's going to be the guy still. And then following him up was Joe Kunal, who did give up a run on two hits, uh, uh, allowing a walk, but he did strike out three. All those guys are probably in this bullpen. Uh, after that in the game is a bunch of dudes that I'm not particularly worried about or interesting interested in spending a lot of time talking about. But a cautionary tale on the bullpen dudes, especially the ones we know are going to be on the team. What I like about their performances is they came in early in the game. That means they were at least still facing the major league hitters for the Oakland Athletics, such as they are in some cases. Uh, but they were facing those dudes, and they didn't do a lot of damage against the bullpen. Uh, that's exciting to see. That's a, a positive to build upon as we head further into the spring training period to get ready for the season. And the bullpen looked okay for guys that we know are going to be around. 100% Steve. And I think that that is how we're going to end today's podcast. Thank you everybody so much for checking out today's edition of the lockdown reds podcast. Like we mentioned tomorrow, it's an Aloha live Friday where we will take your questions, your comments, we will have a conversation about our Cincinnati Reds, probably talk a little bit about the updates surrounding Joey Votto. You may not see him in opening day. We'll, we'll discuss that a little bit more on tomorrow's Aloha Friday edition. But now, make sure you go check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube as well and as always, they're just like Lockdown Reds. They're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. They are your team every day. Steve, the pitching, we just need to calm down about. The really exciting youngsters that should set the world on fire, we should probably calm down about them too. So what's that mean for you and me? Well, that means, oh, and by the way, congratulations on not trying to trade anybody today that means that we're going to be looking at the waiver wires we're going to be looking at the transactions we're going to be looking at all the rumors we're going to be looking at all the action out in goodyear because we're going to be dialed in to come back and report to each and every one of you to keep you locked on reds every single day hashtag jeff hates jonathan india that's good